0: morning. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, Resurrection Sunday. We thank you for the blessing that it is to know you through the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus. And Lord, this morning as we explore the resurrection, we pray that you would speak to each one of us, open our hearts and our minds to hear from you and to go out from this place encouraged, seeing your glory. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Pastor Duncan stole my opening line, but I'm going to try it again anyway. He is risen. All right. Those of you who are visiting with us this morning, my name is Pastor Dale and it's good to have you with us. You might remember from a couple of weeks ago the, the big rain event that we had at the end of March. The, the remnants of ex tropical cyclone Debbie that caused a huge amount of rain to fall in just a couple of days. It tracked along the south coast of, uh, or the east coast of, of Queensland and into New South Wales, and it, it dumped a, a massive amount of rain. Some places received their usual monthly rainfall in just a couple of days. Schools were closed for two days. Kids got an extra two days of holidays, which I'm sure they're happy about. Businesses closed their doors and sent their workers home early so that they didn't have to, to travel in this rain. There was flooding in many locations And and due to the flooding, of course, there was road closures, wasn't there? If you were unfortunate enough to be travelling in this rain event, you would have come across one of these road-closed signs. It would have stopped you in your tracks. You cannot pass. You cannot go any further. And in life, there's there's many metaphorical roadblocks. These roadblocks can stop us from achieving goals, moving forward in our, in our careers or, or whatever the case may be. These can stop us from approaching that new girl at, at school who might one day become your wife or, or that new guy at work who might become your husband or not even having the, the willpower to save money for a home loan deposit. These are roadblocks or, or, or road slow signs that can slow us down in our lives. But there are roadblocks that can cause us to slow down in our journey with God as well. Even those of us who come to church regularly, who have a strong faith in God, can, can have roadblocks that cause our lives to slow, our relationships to, with God to slow. It's an interruption to our faith. And just as it was hard to believe that that amount of water could come from the sky a few weeks ago, many of us have roadblocks that cause us to question the believability of things such as creation, that God created the earth in six days, and and the flood in Genesis 6 that water covered the earth and wiped out all form of life except for Noah and his family and the animals on the ark. Another roadblock can be that that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. It's another hard fact for us in our humanness to fathom. And one of these roadblocks that we're going to explore this morning can be the resurrection... It's a hard thing to believe that someone would rise from the dead after being dead for three days, or rise on the third day after being dead for three days. It's not a normal everyday event, is it? You don't see people rising from the dead nowadays after being dead for a couple of days. It's something that's hard to understand and hard to grasp. And it's not a new problem for us. It's not a new problem faced by the church. In fact, that's what we're looking at this morning. In the in the letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes that there are people who are struggling with this fact. And there was also people going around and unsettling these people further, unsettling them, saying that the resurrection did not happen. There is no resurrection but the Apostle Paul writes to assure his readers 100% that the resurrection did happen and that he is one of the witnesses. In quality assurance, if you're um, aware of of what quality assurance is, testing testing the, the assurance of testing quality, assuring quality, I'll get it out, there's a, there's a saying in, a, in quality assurance that nothing happens without proof. There must be a paper trail for, for people to be able to follow to prove that checks were made. There must be records kept to prove that those checks were made and that the, 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 the checks were within specifications. There must be proof so that quality can be assured well this is what paul starts with in in refuting the fact that the the people are questioning the fact of the resurrection he's saying there is proof there is 100% proof have a look again at, at 1 corinthians 15 1 to 8 Paul says that there's eyewitnesses to the resurrection, most of which are still alive. And so you could go back and, and check with them. You could go back and ask them, did you really see this? Of course, that doesn't apply to us now because it happened 2,000 years ago. Those, those people are, are not alive. But Paul says there are eyewitnesses He says to the Corinthian church there are eyewitnesses and he in fact says that he is also one of them. Something that that builds on the credibility of the, the account of the resurrection and that Paul doesn't really go into is that the first eyewitnesses of the resurrection were in fact women. I'll get there. The first Eyewitnesses of the resurrection were women. Friends, you don't make this kind of thing up in first century Judaism or first century Christianity. You don't make up the fact that the women are the first credible witnesses of the resurrection. Women didn't have a standpoint, they couldn't testify in court, they were treated as possessions. And so for them to be the first credible witnesses is almost like a a negative proof of the resurrection. That the women are recorded as being the first witnesses in all four Gospels is a proof for the resurrection. Are you following me? All right, good. If you were going to make up a story about someone being raised from the dead... You're going to try and get the most reputable witness, aren't you? Like, maybe the High Court, Justice of the High Court, whatever his name is. You'd get him as a witness. If, if I was to go to court and, and take with me my two-year-old witness, it doesn't have the same sort of, of, of standing as, as the High Court judge. And so it was was the same in in first century Judaism and amongst the Jews and and most likely within the Corinthian church as well. Now, along the same sort of lines in um, in the proof from the scriptures that we have of the resurrection is that Joseph of Arimathea buried Jesus. If you wanted to go back and, and check the validity of the things that have been spoken to you and, and written to you about about the resurrection, you could find Joseph of Arimathea and you could ask him, did you in fact bury Jesus? Was Jesus dead when you buried him? And did you come and find the empty tomb three days later? Because no doubt he would have checked there's scriptural evidence that we have of the eyewitnesses, of the the first witnesses being women, of the proof for the resurrection. And you could say that using the Bible to prove the Bible is... uh, It's sort of dodgy. But there's more historical records that we have for the birth and resurrection of Jesus Christ, birth, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Than what we have for the proof of William Shakespeare. You might find that hard to understand, hard to believe, but in 1946 and 47 and and up to the present day, they've been finding scrolls in the Dead Sea, or in caves near the Dead Sea. They wouldn't be very good if they were in the Dead Sea, would they? There's been 981 scrolls found in the caves near the Dead Sea. But, and they date back, as far back as 8th century BC and as to late as the 11th century AD. These scrolls confirm the accuracy of the text that we now call our modern-day Bible. William Shakespeare wrote 37 plays and 154 sonnets, Doesn't come close to the 981 scriptures that we have from the Dead Sea Scrolls. That's to put aside the the scriptures that we have from years and years gone by. There's also historical evidence for the death, birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Josephus was a, a Jewish historian. And there's a little bit of debate about the authenticity of this, this quote that I'm going to read you as to whether Josephus wrote it or, or whether it was added in later, but it's in there, and I'm going to use it. Now there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as to receive the truth with pleasure. He drew over to him both many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles. He was the Christ. And when Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal men among us, had condemned him to the cross, those that loved him at first did not forsake him, for he appeared to them alive again on the third day. As the divine prophets had foretold, these and 10,000 other wonderful things concerning him. And the tribe of Christians so named from him are not extinct at this day. There's another line from Josephus that, that quotes one of the, the Roman governors saying he was astounded at the, the flourishing of the Christians in the fact that usually if a, a religious sect arose and caused insurrection, if you cut off the leader, killed the leader the group would just disintegrate and go quietly into the night. But he, he was astounded in the fact that Jesus was the leader of the Christians and yet he was killed and yet Christians continue to flourish after his death without knowing about his resurrection. So the purpose of the resurrection was to confirm scripture, confirm prophecy in scripture. Have a look at verses 3 and 4. Paul writes, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. The birth, death and resurrection of Jesus was not just something that was just planned on a whim by God, but it was was planned right from the beginning of time. Have a look with me at at Isaiah chapter 53. Keep your thumb in, in 1 Corinthians. Isaiah 53, verses 1 to 6 and 12. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, who have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 12. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many. He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sins of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. You cannot make intercession if you are dead. The resurrection confirms prophecy throughout Scripture. And another purpose of the resurrection was and probably the greatest purpose of the resurrection was to confirm who Jesus said that he was. He said that he was the Messiah, but only to those who were close to him. He told his disciples that he would suffer and die and be raised on the third day, and that he came to bring them new life. And the resurrection serves to confirm this, doesn't it? Another purpose of the resurrection and one that we benefit from personally is is that the resurrection brings eternal life. It brings eternal life to those who place their faith in Christ Jesus, both past, present and future. Have a look at Romans 6.23 there. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift of eternal life. And so you can see from Scripture that the death and resurrection of Jesus was to give those who believe in him eternal life, to save those who stand firm in their faith, as Paul says in verse 2. So the message of the resurrection is by which people are being saved. Saved from what I hear you ask in the back corners of your mind. Saved from the penalty of our sins. The sins that separate us from God, that alienate us from God and that cause us to be slaves to sin. Jesus' death paid the penalty for that on Good Friday and now his resurrection brings new life to us who are, the, who are in Christ Jesus. It has saved us from the penalty to, for our sins if only we'd believe in him and yield to his his desires instead of our own. The resurrection is not just pie in the sky when you die as well. It's not just a free ticket to heaven. But it's an opportunity for us to have life in Christ right here and now. It's not just looking to the future to to get a free ticket to heaven when I die. It's it's enabling us to live in the face of the struggles and the circumstances of this earth this life, to enable us to to live in the face of terrible persecution, horrible circumstances such as the death of a loved one or something like that. Knowing without a doubt that Jesus lives and is who he says he is gives us the ability to to praise God amongst awful circumstances. It's to bring us life now, not just in the future when we die. You might remember from months and months ago, no, perhaps a couple of years ago, the 21 men who were led to their execution on a beach in Syria. The resurrection serves to enable people To be able to stare down the barrel of a gun or have it pointed at the back of their head and to still sing praises to God. The greatest purpose of the resurrection was to reveal God's glory. Power and glory in the way that God deals with those whom he loves by giving of himself. God's power is on display in the resurrection in that he would not only send his son to die for the penalty of our sins, but that he would break the curse of death through the resurrection. Death is the one certainty that faces us all And some of us have faced it head-on recently. But if we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we can know 100% that, that the resurrection leads to new life in Christ Jesus, that we have no need to fear death or what it might bring, that the penalty for our sins has been paid in full. And the last purpose of the resurrection was to bring us to God. I've alluded to this, it is to bring us to God. God's power and glory is on display for us to be able to worship him, for us to be able to see him as glorious and to know that he loves us. That he would love us in such a way that he was willing to sacrifice his son to pay that penalty for our sins. That he loves us in such a way that he would give us new life now and into eternity. And that he longs to have us have eternal life with him. Friends, this is the power of the resurrection the death of Christ brings us new life through the resurrection of Christ the revealing of Jesus on the road to Damascus changed Paul forever it changed his life he went from a murderous Pharisee dragging Christians off to to their execution, to being a missionary to the Gentiles, to, to nations further afield. And becoming one of the best best known Christians that we have. He's responsible for the message of salvation going out to I don't know, millions throughout generations. Unless you see the risen Christ, you don't go from a murderous Pharisee to a missionary for the Christians. That doesn't happen. And you can see the power of the resurrection in the transformation of the rest of the disciples as well. Peter, Cephas as Paul calls him, he went from being a denier of Christ, fearing association with Christ, he went from that to, to writing letters just in the same way Paul does. Paul mentions Peter by name and, and he also mentions James, the brother of Jesus. He went from denying who Jesus was and, and thinking that Jesus was crazy to writing to churches and encouraging them to work on their faith and to continue to work at their faith. each one of these apostles preached the good news of Jesus Christ resurrected. So much so, they believed this 100%, so much so that they were willing to die for this cause. Many of these apostles experienced horrible deaths. Hot oil, crucifixions upside down, beheadings, lions. But because of the faith that they had in Jesus Christ, death and resurrection, they were able to to know 100% that what they were preaching was true. They knew who Jesus was and that he was resurrected from the dead. They knew that facing death was not just something... It it wasn't something to worry about. And it transformed them. The greatest power that the resurrection holds is that our salvation and the salvation of many people hinges on it. As Paul says, if Christ is not raised from the dead, our faith is futile. Have a look again at verses 13 to 19. But if there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he has raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then, also all, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are all, of all people most to be pitied. If Christ is not raised, then then Paul and many others have been found to be misrepresenting God. If Christ has not risen from the tomb, there can be no forgiveness of sins and Good Friday is just another Friday. If Christ is not raised, then we of all people are most to be pitied. But Christ is raised. Of this I am sure. The Apostle Paul was sure. All the other Apostles and and many Christians throughout the generations are sure of the resurrection of Christ. They would not receive beating and imprisonment and, and horrible deaths for something that they knew was false. And many others throughout the generations wouldn't have done that as well if their lives were at stake, if they knew that there was nothing to the resurrection. But there is something to the resurrection. Power, purpose, and there is proof. Verse 20, but in fact Christ has been Raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep Paul is sure of this and he encourages his readers to not listen to the, the teaching of other men saying that the resurrection is not true don't let the, the, the resurrection be a roadblock to you this morning let it be 110 speed sign. Don't let it be a road stumbling, a stumbling block to you. Let the knowledge of the resurrection encourage you today. Let the proof of the resurrection spur you on for the, the infallibility of this book, the truth of this book. And let the purpose and the power of the resurrection transform you to bring you new life now and into eternity. Friends, the glory of the cross is not revealed until Resurrection Sunday. It's not until today that Good Friday becomes Good Friday. This is when the glory of the cross is revealed in its entirety. So let the glory of the cross and the wonder of the resurrection spur you on today. Open your eyes to God's glory and the wonderful gift of eternal life. Let's try it again. He is risen. risen indeed. Indeed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have opened our eyes to see the wonder of the cross through the the empty tomb. That you have shown us that there is proof for the resurrection, that there is power in the resurrection, that it has saved us from eternal punishment. And Lord, that there is power and purpose to the resurrection. We pray this morning that we would go from here knowing that you are raised from the dead, that we can have eternal life with you and life with you now as well. Lord, we pray that, that you would speak to each one of us, continue to minister to us and, as we explore the resurrection. We pray this in the risen name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: If Jesus is who he says, then he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Holy One of God. He is worthy of our highest, our utmost praise. And so we're going to conclude our service this morning just by singing a song of pure praise and adoration. Hallelujah. What a saviour. I owe everything to him. It's hallelujah to my king. Let's stand and sing together.